Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Dale Walker. I want to welcome you to our Leadership Podcast. We are looking at how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. I'm excited to have you listening. If you want the notes on this, you can get them at dalewalker.life. There's also a lot of other resources to help you grow in your leadership. Share this with someone if you are blessed. I know you will be. God bless you. So, welcome everybody. We just heard a, a powerful message that Irma Brooks shared with us. Uh, her her story of her purpose in God, and I'm encouraging everyone in our class uh, to work on that. And we'll be sharing, uh, in fact, one of our, our last classes together will just be everyone hopefully giving their story again and us giving feedback so we could get better and better at that. Uh, today is uh, actually week seven, uh, and it's uh, it's um, called Making God's uh, Word Understandable and Applicable. And I did send some sermon notes, and you'll see lots of uh, things that need editing, <laughs> but that's what Vivian's going to do. But it is week seven, and we're in this discussion of crafting a message, and we've talked about that, about collecting our references, reflecting on it, uh, uh, applying it in research and and flavoring it. And today I, I want to really talk not just about how to make it practical or positive, but how to make it understandable and applicable. How, how to really, uh, the way I like to say it around here is how to put the cookies on the low shelf so that the people listening, even if they've never been to church in their life, they can say, I can eat that. I can, I can get that. And, and, and as I've said before, a successful message isn't about how brilliant our message it is, but it's about how much people take from that message. If, if it can be, as I speak with tongues of men of angels, but if it doesn't give love, then it's nothing. If it doesn't, I like to say, if it doesn't bear fruit on their vine, then it was just a great display of, of my talent, but it misses the whole points. And so there's uh, actually four ways that we are going to talk about how you make the word understandable. Number one, make it simple. Number two, make it personal. Three, make it powerful and make it interesting. So number one is make it simple. Um, the first question I want to ask when I'm preparing a message or I'm ready to give a message is what is the simplest way to say this? Because the more important a message is, the clearer it needs to be. Simple is clear. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what people need is something they can say, I can take that away from this. You know, if you're giving someone instructions, I don't know if you've ever done this. You tell your kids, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, whatever else, don't forget. <laughs> and then you try to say it as simple as you can, whatever you do, don't forget to, to lock the door or to, you know, to take the medicine, whatever it is. Um, in, in military, when the battle starts, they always have the, the ultimate command, whatever else, even if your general gets shot, go to that mountain. There's always a way to make it clear because Paul says, if the, if the trumpet makes an unclear sound, who is gonna respond? If they can't tell if this is revelry or charge, uh, it's going to be impossible to obey the instructions. 
So this is our goal, is what is the simple and clearest way to say this? In uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 3, and 4, Paul said, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my preaching was very plain. And you can circle that word, very plain. <laughs> Not with a lot of oratory, but the Holy Spirit's power was in my words, proving to those who heard them that the message was from God. I think this word oratory is important. You know what? What Paul says, I wasn't trying to be an orator. What is that? That's a that's a word that means dramatic and, you know, uh, performing. Uh, someone said in modern day, especially in a Pentecostal church, an oratory would be you shout a bunch of words that everybody already knows, but you're, you're trying to have a, a hallelujah time and everyone gets excited, but they don't remember anything that you said. It was just a woohoo, yay, whoa, powerful, all the blood, yay, whatever. But um, what I what I want to say about it, and this is what I often say the problem with a motivational speaker is you feel really good after you heard them and then you don't do anything and you don't even know why, what, what you felt good about. Our, our goal is not to stir and have exciting rallies. Our goal is to plant the word of God. Our goal is to teach a simple truth in a profound way. Whether you feel this, you don't feel this, I planted a seed in your heart that has profound implications. See, I would rather someone just sit there quiet, but go home and chew on something <laughs> versus, woo, it was all exciting. Yeah, but but you got your little you know, fix, but you didn't get any life change. So this is the goal. Mark 12, 37 says, when Jesus preached, the common people heard him gladly. I like that. It wasn't the educated, it wasn't the brilliant, the Pharisees, the common person, you know, the sixth grader, the, you know, the person who, who doesn't even know how to read but they could hear the word because he brought the cookies down to that shelf. So number one, don't try to be deep. <laughs> you know, I've ever heard someone say, Whoa, that was a deep message. A lot of times that means, man, that was heavy. I have no idea what they said, but boy, was that deep. We got three Greek words and 42 Hebrew and wow and great, but so what? Uh, Spurgeon said, a sermon is like a well. If there's anything in it, it appears bright and reflecting. If there's nothing in it, it appears dark and deep and mysterious, <laughs> right? It's easy to complicate the gospel, but it takes tremendous study and crafting to make it simple. Einstein once said, you don't really understand something unless you can explain it in a simple way. Isn't that true? If you really understand something, it's like, oh yeah, of course. So never forget, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Anyhow, we've all heard that one. Um, the point is, what is not clear is not ever really applied to our life. One of Satan's tools is always to make things seem fuzzy and complicated to people. I have noticed that when Satan is trying to take someone out and they start to wonder, all of a sudden, they get real confused 
and and everything is fuzzy. Well, I don't understand this, and 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 Satan's you know filling them with minds. Why is there suffering in the world? You know, and what is the truth about evolution? And he's just trying to get all this deep stuff going on. Why? Because when they start to chase that, they become less and less concerned about the the, the most important things. Jesus died for me. God loves me. Instead, he's drawing and luring them into this dark pit of, of questions. Paul refers to this in 1 Corinthians 11, or 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 3. He says, I am afraid that just as, uh, he says, I am frightened fearing that in some way you may be led away from your pure and simple devotion to our Lord. Just as Eve was deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden, Another place Paul talks about the enticing words of man's wisdom. You know, if Satan can make it complicated, he can steal it from you. And so our goal is to always keep the simplicity of the word and the gospel as the main thing. Jesus, uh, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, when he was in Corinth, I determined to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, it's important to understand Corinth was one of the, uh, it was a Greek colony. There, it was a city in Greece. And, and that at that time, they were known for their philosophy and their deep wisdom and Socrates and Aristotle. And they believed, you could almost say that the Corinthians believed in salvation by wisdom. <laughs> they called it Sophia, you know, the, the depth and the knowledge. And if you have enough wisdom, we will win the world. And, and they worshiped wisdom. Well, Paul was brilliant. He could debate with anybody, but he decided, I'm not going to go in there and, and debate their wisdom. I'm going to just keep bringing it to the cross. I'm just going to keep bringing it to the cross. Why? Because I don't want believers to take those rabbit trails. I want them to keep focused on the simplicity of the truth of God. And I can tell you from pastoring for many years that people who go off the deep end, they'll always come and they'll usually be something like this. I heard this deeper teaching. I'm just not getting fed here. But, oh, man, I read this mystic and this mystic says this and Ooh, and whoa, and it's all this. And, and I know what Satan's doing. He's enticing them with this carrot of, of supposed wisdom rather than the simplicity of the truth. I love what Karl Barth, one of the most genius, uh, you know, genius theologians of the last century, uh, was asked, what's the most, what's the deepest truth you've ever learned? What's the highest, most amazing truth? And he said, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. He says, you will never get deeper than that. And if you think you are, you are missing the truth now. Secondly, be aware that only what is simple will stay with people. According to a study done by the U.S. Air Force, people forget 95% of what they hear in 72 hours. This is what is depressing for teachers. But what that means is that if you preach on Sunday, by Wednesday, they only remember 5%. Unless you do a couple of things. One, unless they write it down. That's why we put outlines in our bulletin. 
they will increase their retention. I forget what it is, but it's it's almost 50% if you just write it down and say it uh, to yourself. Also, though, it is interesting that those numbers are not true for stories. In other words, people remember stories a lot longer than just facts or truths. And that's what we're going to get to in a minute. That's why uh, if you'll ask your kids after Sunday school what they remember, they'll probably only remember the story. <laughs> but but that tells us something that I think is important. Here's some interesting facts. When it comes to simple, the Lord's Prayer is 56 words. The Gettysburg Address is 267 words. The Declaration of Independence is 1,322 words. And a government report on regulating the sale of cabbage is 26,901 words. Have you ever wondered why they put those long, detailed little print agreements on credit cards or whatever you're going to sign? Because they know you won't read them. <laughs> if we can make it complicated enough, we can make them sign anything. Right? What I'm saying is simple is better. Just another preaching point. If you're wanting to fill a bunch of Coke bottles with water, you could try using a fire hose, but wouldn't it be a lot better to have a funnel? Wouldn't it be a lot better to get what you want to say and get it in a way that it actually gets into their heart? And that's the goal of good teaching is to whittle this down in a way that they say, I got it. I got it. I got it. So how do you keep it simple? I like to use this illustration that preparing the message is like baking the cake. You're not gonna throw out the baking soda to the people when they eat the cake. You're not gonna show them the, the vanilla that you used or your sugar thing. All you wanna do is to create something so that it's edible. So, ah, you made it something that I can grasp. Another example is mining for gold. You don't bring all the dirt. <laughs> you just, you, you do the work of, the, of sorting it all out. Why? So that when you come to teach, hey, here's the gold. It takes me five minutes to tell you, but it took me five hours to find it. But that's okay. That's my job as a teacher is to do the hard work so you get the gold. Uh, one, condense the message into a simple sentence. So step number one. Make it simple. We call it whatever you want to call it, the thesis statement, the big idea. But whatever you're going to say, can you put it into one sentence? And in your mind say, if they forget everything else, <laughs> they can't forget this. And again, that's the nail that you're going to hit. And you probably want to hit it 10 times in your message because it'll probably take 10 times uh, for it to stay permanent. And uh, this is something that I work on and, it, and I got a long way to go. But I love to ask a young person or someone who, whose mind uh, might, you know, wander off. And I said, what was the point of that message? <laughs> and boy, if they could tell that one point, I, I just hit a home run, you know. Um, Avoid using religious terms. By the way, I like that quote. If it's fuzzy in the pulpit, it will be fog in the pew. <laughs> if you're not clear, they will be totally lost. All right. 
Uh, number two, avoid using religious terms. I like what Rick Warren said. Many pastors speak in tongues every week and they're not even charismatic <laughs> because they're using all these terms that people don't even understand. And they're religious terms. Effective preaching is putting biblical terms in the common and contemporary language of your day. We don't want to impress words. Yes, we've got great words. I can, I can preach on today. I'm going to talk to you about eschatology and pneumatology. I'm going to tell you that what depravity of mankind is all about. And they're just going to stare like a deer with the headlights on, right? At least the ones you're really trying to reach, the ones who already know theology, that's not your target. They can learn on their own. You're trying to teach the people who don't know it yet. And so what we have to do as communicators is take all those Bible words and work very hard to make sure we define and say them in a way that people understand it. For example, I... I'm going to say, have you ever experienced the feeling that you're ready to throw in the towel instead of, have you ever experienced moral depravity? <laughs> Can you see how one might connect better than the other? I, I, I know what moral depravity, it's the hopelessness and uselessness of human thought and reason apart from God. And I like to say that, but they don't care. So... <laughs> Our job is to be missionaries. You know what the missionary is? Someone who contextualizes foreign terms into the culture, into the understanding, into the life of people so they get to join the party. When people go to Africa, when they go to, to Indonesia, they don't come and talk like they're talking to American teenagers. They spend years learning the language, and then learning, how will this make sense to the people that God has called me to reach? I'm finding that today, just speaking to millennials or Gen Zs, I've got to be a missionary uh, because they have a different language. But think of it in that sense. Some of you remember, some of you got to watch the or read the book, The Peace Child. I just thought it was great. It's about an Afri uh, Indonesian tribe and a missionary is trying to explain the gospel and they having a problem because uh, when, when, whenever they told the gospel, people started applauding for Judas because in their culture, betrayal was the most awesome thing. You betrayed someone, man, you were awesome. And it was, it was like he kept preaching the gospel and, and he couldn't get across because he had he, he wasn't in their mind. And so finally he heard about something that if two tribes were in a feud and they wanted to make peace with each other, the one chief would let the other chief adopt his son. And that would bring complete peace between the two tribes because you would never attack a tribe where your son was the prince. And all of a sudden the missionary said, aha, I have the message. And so the next day he got up and he preached about the peace child, Jesus, and the whole tribe got saved. See, it's always about where do I make this so that it's real? So just some examples, we could spend a lot of time on this. Even today to say sin, you know, you've sinned, <laughs> you know, that's so clear to us, but it's not to some people. 
So maybe when you when you speak on sin, you have to say things like doing things that satisfy your selfish desires, ignoring and not showing you care about the needs of others. I don't know. But you may have to go deeper. Um, making Jesus Lord. That's hard for some people in our culture because we don't have lords. We have democracy. So you got to think of other ways to explain letting Jesus call the shots of your life, being the president or the boss or whatever, CEO, being under new management. But the goal is not to sound theological. The goal is to help people understand so they can change their life. Thirdly, keep your outline simple. And uh, when I was I'm recognizing that this is not my strength, so I'm confessing that up front, <laughs> but the strongest messages often have the fewest points. Rick Warren suggests making the application points the points on your outline. As we said earlier, the Bible should determine the substance of your message, but people's needs should determine the structure. Points to remember should be the things that you're saying, the verbs that you want them to go with that will spur them on to the action that the Bible is calling them to. And, and I love this quote. If the point of the message is application, then applications should be the points of the message. And, it, and I thought that was just powerful. So instead of the point being that God is good. <laughs> That's a great point. But it's a better application if you say, when you feel like life is bad, trust that life, God is good. You know, trust, do something. That's an action. That's an application. And, and that's what you're trying to get people to is the four most important ways or the three or the two most important ways to live out the revelation that I shared with you in this message today. And so working hard on those simple points, make them like little, like arrows or nails <laughs> that when they go home, they can remember, oh yes, forgive my brother, <laughs> uh, pray the Lord's prayer, <laughs> say thank you every chance you get, whatever it is, make it so simple that a sixth grader would go home and have the opportunity to say, I can do that today. Uh, number three, take time to prune your content. Now, this is what's hard. <laughs> the fruit is what you want to share, the, the branches <laughs> and leaves. I don't know, when you start your research and developing notes, you're going to have a lot of leaves and branches. And, and the problem is some of those leaves and branches are going to be your favorite points. <laughs> But if you want to be effective and not exhaustive, <laughs> you got to take out the pruning shears and you got to cut this out. You got to cut this out. And, oh, I love this rabbit trail. Yeah, but it doesn't matter for today. <laughs> no, don't take my rabbit trail. I want to tell them about my trip to Disneyland. Yeah, but uh, do that when you go out to coffee afterwards. <laughs> but you don't have enough room in this message for a secondary or a third a third level idea. The goal of, a, of, a, of an effective teacher is to find the shortest distance between two points, between the point of the message and the application of that message to people's lives. So shorten sentences. If you have sentences that are 16 words, see if you could make them eight words. You know, Anything you can shorten. Why? Because 
the shorter and the simpler, the more powerful, the more direct. And, and as you'll find, you never have enough time to share everything you wanted to share. It's not about, for most of us, it's never going to be about content. It's going to be about strategy. It's going to be about priority. It's going to be about, about nailing what God wants you to nail in people's hearts that day. Avoid the temptation to over-explain. Now, let me just say this. Would you be honest enough with yourself to ask people who love you, do I over-explain? I find insecure people, which is most all of us, always want to over-explain. Well, what I really, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, I know. And even if you have, even if I don't know, you're wasting time. <laughs> Just move on, move on. You know, try your best to explain it. And, and uh, if it didn't get across, let it go and, and get on because you are going to get people to turn the channel. It's just like, think of them watching TV. Turn, just how quickly people on social media, if they don't like the YouTube, they're going to just turn it off. Just see yourself as, as on that YouTube channel. And, and I got to say this, and why are they staying on? And when are they tuning off? And, and be incredibly intentional about that. Constantly differentiate what might be interesting to you from what is most needed to them. I have all kinds of things that are interesting. I love theology and I love history and I love deep doctrinal discussions and I love philosophy. Uh, oh, it's tempting. Oh, it's tempting to want to go deep. But that's not my purpose. Constantly Put things in clear buckets. This will help you so much. When you're preparing your message, have the buckets that you want to use and, and see how your content is fitting in those buckets. Notice if all of a sudden you've got way too much in this bucket and nothing in that bucket, and then choose to just make it simple. For example, what is the bucket? What is the sermon structure? Here's a simple example of a sermon structure. You start off by establishing a need. Why I'm talking about this today. So then you got all those points and you, uh, you know, if you were to see how I prepare a sermon, I've, I've got all my notes under how, what, or why. <laughs> and then I got all these whys. And then I say, out of these 22 whys, what are the two whys that I think I should mention? Because they will connect the best to the audience that I'm, I'm speaking to. Why do we need to talk about this elephant today? <laughs> uh, number two uh, is to give a personal example. And, and this is something I believe is strategic. It has to go from, yeah, okay, this is important, but what does it matter about me? And I think that making it personal very quick in the discussion helps bring people close to the subject. And then you present a plan. This is how God resolves that issue. One, two, three. Offer hope and call for a decision and expect amazing results. <laughs> so uh, there's just an example of five buckets that you might look at that will help you in structuring and simplifying. Second way to make a message understandable is to make it personable. Now, this is huge. The second, first question is, what is the simplest way to say this? 
The second question is, what is the most personal way to say this? What is the way that is the most authentic from my heart way to say this? Why? People most need an example. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11:1, 1, follow me or imitate me as I follow Christ. We communicate through what we know, but we connect by sharing who we are, by being open, authentic, and offering hope by the journey we've been through as people hear about both our failures and our progress. I, I believe this is, is huge. You know, it used to be that uh, your uh, kind of your qualifications, your uh, came, the, the thing that people mattered most is how expert are you? <laughs> But I find, especially in preaching the Bible, the question people ask, how authentic are you? It's not, do you know the Bible better than me, but do you live the Bible better than me? Do you, do you, do you walk the talk? That's what, that's what is the most important issue. Not that it's not important that you went to theology school or you know the, the text and all of that. That's all important. But what I say when it comes to why people listen the example is the most important thing. So the most personal way of something is also the most powerful way of saying it. Here's some examples from scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and we opened our hearts to you. Isn't that great? That's how he preached. We opened our hearts to you. 1 Thessalonians 2, 8. Because we have loved you so much, we we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. Now, here's a note of caution. Though we got, we're going to give experience, one of the things I really kind of want to emphasize is we don't make our experience the point. We always make God's word the point and just simply show how our experience validates and, and, and shows the truth of that. People don't need what I called helpful hints from Heloise they need to know the word of God and how it applies to their life. See, what I get concerned about sometimes when I hear uh, teachers is that they sound like a motivational speaker. Well, my experience tells me, and my grandmother told me, and when I was young, I thought this. Now, all of that's interesting, but that's not your job. Because I know people whose grandma was dead wrong, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> What I want to know is, what does the Bible say? Now, once I've established that, now I want to share my experience about that. But see what I'm saying? Don't confuse the two. I've heard some people, you almost think they're, they're giving you their wisdom when they preach. And, and we don't want to do that. I hope that that's clear. Um, so how do you make it personal? Number one, honestly share your struggles and weaknesses. In uh, 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul says, I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. We were really crushed and overwhelmed and feared we would never live through it. Isn't that, isn't that incredibly vulnerable? Wow. We were crushed. <laughs> Today, more than ever, authority comes from authenticity. Authenticity makes us believable, especially when we're teaching to Christian audiences. The issue isn't, is the Bible true? as much as does it apply and can it help me our pathway gives our testimony gives a pathway 
for people to have confidence in the word of God. And it also creates a rapport. Now, this is huge. We must establish a rapport if we hope to get a positive response. Now, this is this is huge. You can tell when someone's giving a lecture and when someone's having a heart-to-heart talk. And it's all about rapport. There is a linking. There is, a, you know how you know when you're connecting? People are saying, oh, me too, me too. Oh, me too. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, incredible, important in messaging. And so when someone, when, when you say, you know what? I was so discouraged one time that I, I literally didn't come to church. I just, I ate bonbons and watched Netflix. And you know what? It made me feel worse and terrible and, and uh, you know, and, and whatever. You know what? They say, oh, yeah, I can, yeah you're, you're human. You're, you're stupid, but you are like me too. You okay? I can handle that. And now, what did you learn from that? Okay, we can go from there. We call this confessional teaching, and it leads to credibility and receptiveness. That's why you, you, you heard in this message, and you've heard so many times, Sharon and I share our marriage story and, and her praying for me to die story. And it's not because that story is so powerful, but it, it makes us so human. And every time we ever share it, people all the way understand, you mean I could have as, I could be as, as messed up as I am and I could end up with a great marriage like Pastor Dale? Yeah, <laughs> because that's how good God is. If, if we always did everything right and we, we never had any conflict between each other, then you would just think, wow, they're pastors and they're not, they're not made out of the same stuff as we are. But here's the second point. Don't only honestly share where you struggle, but also where you are making progress, right? Uh, this is not just an AA meeting. Yes, I, I am a struggler. Okay, wow, well. No, this is a teaching, which means, yes, I struggled, and yes, I failed. But yes, I'm also learning. So let me tell you the progress I'm making. Why? Because you're creating a path for them. 1 Timothy 4.15 says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see, circle the word see, see your progress. It is incredible. Can I tell you, when your children see you making progress. Wow, dad. You used to yell at cars that cut you off. I've been noticing lately. <laughs> you pray. Oh, guess what? You just taught your kids more than you could have ever taught them in a Bible study, right? So let them see it and let them understand progress. So that same verse in 2 Corinthians 1.8, I like it. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we were never going to live through it. So there's the confession. But, <laughs> verse 9, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he'll deliver us again on whom we have set our hope that he will deliver us. See what he says? We, I was crushed, but then I set my hope on God. And then I learned this amazing lesson. 
that the God who has delivered us in the past will deliver us again. You know, see what he's saying? Look, that there's my struggle. Here's my progress. All right. I like to say the point people need to hear is the backstory to any success you have. The most powerful life message you have is one that's ending up where you're pretty healthy and good. <laughs> but you had a backstory that included failure, long periods of time, waiting, feeling hopeless, and never giving up. See, people are impressed by your success, but they relate to your failure. So you say, I know that you see us up here today, but if you would have seen me when I was 23 years old and, and I couldn't even forgive my teacher for a comment they made, I was so immature and I had to learn the hard way, but I, I, I learned it one, two, three, and I found out God's word is true. See. Now you're helping them understand, as we keep saying here, that the Christian life is not perfection. It is progress, and it is walking and taking the next step and moving forward. I like to say it this way. When you teach, don't teach like gods. Teach like guides. <laughs> teach like someone, hey, come on. We're going on this journey together. I am not the know-it-all. I'm not there but I went up that mountain once and I'll walk with you and you can make it too. <clears throat> this is kind of on to the second point, but it covers both. So I'll put it like this, share what you are currently learning. In other words, make it simple uh, and make it powerful. Now this is really what I believe is that when it's personal, it becomes powerful. I, I believe that, yes, as good as it is to share some past testimonies, it is even better to, to share the current testimonies of your life. One of the things I always ask God is for fresh manna. The Lord told uh, Moses and then, don't give them yesterday's manna. It's stale. You know? so, so I want to know, do you have any fresh manna? Yes, I know God helped you 30 years ago. Hallelujah. <laughs> but is he still helping you? That's what I want to know, you know. So, so this is huge, and, and, and you want to have that fresh story, fresh lessons. You want reality TV, not reruns. <laughs> this is God in motion in our lives. That's, that's why anything you can point out recent and present, if it's not about you, point out to someone in your class what they did. But you're just saying, we are in this story together, and it's a now story, and it's a developing. We have a developing story today. You know, that's how they start the news every night. Why? Because nobody wants to hear last month's story. So what's the developing story, and how do I get them into it and part of it? Part of it is even in your study and your preparation, what is the Holy Spirit convicting you about right now? So there is tons of stuff I'll study, but I'm always asking, what's convicting me right now? What is the, what is the Holy Spirit saying to Dale Walker? And there also, I think the church today, I may have preached this same scripture 50 times now that I'm so old, I've preached almost every main scripture. But every time I preach it, it's a whole new message. Why? Because I hear God convicting me in a particular way today in this message that I didn't hear last time. And so I want to I want to zoom in on that. I call it this is what it means a, 
about my preaching prophetically. And I'm going to do one lesson on how the prophetic and how the prophetic and the teaching ministry go together. So here's the rule I like to use. If I don't feel it, I forget it. In other words, I go through all this message and I get all this scripture. And then I say, what do I feel the most? I'm getting ready to preach tomorrow. And I, I've spent a couple of hours already. Man, I could go a hundred directions here. But what am I feeling? What, what's in my gut right now? What's convicting me about those scriptures today? What is a prophetic word that I'm praying and I'm feeling someone's hurting this way in my congregation? I want to just dial into that every way I can, because then my message is not only a teaching, it's a prophecy. And that's what changes life. Two big reasons. Number one, it's where the anointing is and it's where my passion is. When I feel convicted about something, I know God's going to anoint that in a special way. But number two, when I preach that, I'm going to have passion. And I, I shared this earlier, but I believe passion is an incredible, important part. As we often say, the, the quote, if you set yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. So what is the passion? And, and I like this quote from uh, Spurgeon. He said, a lot of preaching has too much brains and not enough guts. <laughs> I like that. It, it, it don't, you got brains, great, but people are waiting for the guts. They will, they will hear the brains, but they will remember the guts. It's, I, 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 it's, it's the fire in my bones, church. It's the fire in my bones. It, it's, it's like one preacher said, preach like a desperate man to dying people. Please, there's the fire escape over there. Please, I don't want you to die. You know, it's that kind of passion that says, Oh my gosh, this is so important. I can't stand it if you if you don't get this because this will make your life so much better. <laughs> and, and people either feel that or they think, okay, I heard another talking hit. <laughs> Number three, lastly, people grasp and understand when you make it interesting. I like to call this uh, opening windows that bring light to the truth that is being shared. This has to do with illustrations, examples, testimonies, current events, and, and humor. Rick Warren described a 40-minute train ride he had through a tunnel in Japan. <laughs> and he said, I, I think a lot of sermons are like that 40-minute train ride. <laughs> You're not seeing anything you're glad you're going to a destination, but you completely disengage and fall asleep. And I think all of us have been to sermons like that. <laughs> We're going through a tunnel. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so what you have to do is you have to create windows. You have to create light opportunities that, that, that wake you up, that, that connect you in a personal way with what's going on around you. The number one way is to learn to use stories. This is Jesus' method. And if you want to learn from the greatest of all time, Matthew 13, 34 says, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using parables. Isn't that interesting? This is referring to when he was teaching about the, the farmer sows the seed and it falls on good ground. 
the background. And, and it's so important because sometimes we, 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 we see that and we, we maybe miss the point, you know, if you're preaching in a city, you probably won't use the same parables Jesus would have used, right? Nobody knows what farming and shepherding sheep. He was talking to people who were farmers or shepherds. So if he was giving illustrations today, it would be about social media. It would be about traffic. It would be about modern things. But the point was, he never spoke without stories. He never spoke without parables. And parables is a word for stories or illustrations, uh, visual object lessons. Uh, these are the things that create windows for people to understand. The best stories, I believe, come from testimony. And so I, I'm, I'm trying to develop this better and and. You're, you're hearing it today that we are trying to create a better system for continually collecting the stories of our people. So now I've got Irma's story in my treasure chest. <laughs> and there'll be a time when she will share it or I will share it. Why? Because there is nothing that gives more faith, and we've already talked about this, than somebody like somebody talking about what they went through. So those are the best ones, testimonies. The best illustrations come from current events, practical life things that all of our audience goes through. If I go to the Philippines and preach, I'm not going to probably use the same illustrations as I use over here. You know, I'm not going to probably talk about, you know, Fox News because they don't probably watch Fox News over there. So I'm going to try to understand uh what they are. I remember one pastor, he was trying to, he was trying to explain Jesus saying the bread of life. And he said, you know, I heard someone over here in the Philippines say that uh, Filipinos have two stomachs, one for rice and the other for everything else. <laughs> and if they don't eat their rice, they're never going to be satisfied. doesn't matter what else they eat. So if Jesus were talking to you, he would say, I'm the rice of life. <laughs> I don't know what he would say in a Hispanic culture. I'm the tortillas of life. Hallelujah. See what he's doing? He's saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so you're going into the people's lives. That's why listening is the first step of preaching. So whoever your audience is, you're always taking notes. What did they go through this week? What was their issue? Why did they get mad watching that? What what does what does their friends say about them? What, what what do they talk about when they talk about their friends? What are their all those things? Because that's where the illustrations that will have the greatest impact come from. We know we live today in a world of media. People's attention span is an average of ten minutes. That's why commercials come every ten minutes in a in a TV show. The, the best communicators give you something visual every 10 minutes. Movie clips, object lessons, pictures, any visual devices you can use help people learn and remember. Even though I just talked 40 minutes with no visuals, <laughs> it's, the, it's the most effective way to teach. Um, so that's, that's the idea of making an understanding. I hope that helps. Um, I have a few questions and discussion things and, and, 
and maybe we can can bring them out. I'll let the the three here and those of you who'd like to stay on on the uh, on the Zoom, we'll we'll discuss them. But just um, give me some example how uh, how you have heard how you have heard some unforgettable point in a message sometimes and, and how someone made that real practical to you in a way that you really didn't forget uh, out of all the thousands of sermons you've heard. Can you remember two or three that were sort of unforgettable to you? <laughs> and can you remember, uh, you know, I got, I got cracked up. I was talking to Virginia Arnold. She's 90 years old, but she was, she was saying, and I remember this preacher when he preached, he said, get in, get out, or get out of the way. And I never forget. I said, okay, there was one of her unforgettable servants. But can you remember something? And why was that so poignant and, 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 and connected with you? Um, what is something you went through this week that could be a great illustration for a sermon? <laughs> because if you're good teachers, you're always collecting illustrations. So what's something you went through this year, this week, not this year, this week that you could say in a way that could connect people uh, to truth. Are these, these making sense, these kind of thoughts? Um, what is an example of how you've heard someone use a frustration or insecurity in their life actually to help you understand the truth of God? They took something that was their weakness and their hurt, but they were able to connect it with truth in a way that you benefited uh, from it. Um, and then if you want to go any deeper, take one scripture and, and tell us how you would come up with the unforgettable idea. So I had this idea today, if we took one, because we, we discussed this verse in an earlier time, First uh, Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. If you were going to speak that verse to your audience, what would be the big idea from that verse? <laughs> and what would be one way from your life you would you would share that, that would be uh, relatable, personable, and that would then be powerful and illustrated effectively. So those are just some ideas for discussion. And uh, God bless you all. And we'll, we'll discuss these now. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. It is our hope that you have been inspired in a great way. We encourage you to stay tuned for future content. May God bless you richly.